as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again, could I invite you just to voice your faith in a way that allows other people to benefit from saying after me, nothing is too hard for God. Here we go. Nothing is too hard for God. Kendall Campus, Gables Campus, wherever you are, making your connection online, right there in your own home, then let's say it one more time. Here we go. Nothing is too hard for God. We need to remember that, especially in light of the demands that are placed upon us and the chaos that we feel around us and the situation of our world and our lives. And today, I just want you to know nothing is too hard for God, especially as I begin with this question, what does success look like in life? Success can sometimes seem pretty hard, but how would you define success? I imagine we all have a definition. How would you define it? I mean, like for some right now, success is a championship ring, right? For some, it's uh, moving up and to the right uh, in finance or business. Maybe for you, success is having a happy home. Or maybe it's just enduring through hardship. Man, it's been hard. This is a hard year. (laughs) Or overcoming adversity. Or overcoming disease. God have mercy. Somebody's thinking, well, success is different depending on your circumstance. I want to say that's accurate. In Jesus' teaching, in Jesus' teaching about success, he challenges our tendency to define success in purely material ways. Maybe you remember him saying something like this again and again. He says, what shall it profit a man? Yes, there is profit in life. Imagine this, profit by gaining the whole world. How much is that? You gain the whole world. He says, but what's the profit if you lose your soul? The price tag. And then Jesus tells this story. You know, there's some stories he tells that you really wish that they weren't in there, but this is one of them. He said, this guy was so flush with material success. I mean, he was successful to the point that his harvest was so great, he had too much to fit in his barn. So here's what he said. You know, I'm just going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to put all my harvest in there, and then I'm going to say to myself, take it easy. I've got grain to last, laid up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And then here's what Jesus said next. You fool. You fool. Don't you know that tonight your life will be demanded from you? And then who's going to get all the stuff that you stored up? And then, so that we wouldn't miss the point, here's Jesus' bottom line. He says, This is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves but are not rich toward God. Hmm. What does success look like in life? I read one time that the smallest package that I could ever see is a man all wrapped up in himself. This point of Jesus' story was saying, when you define success, ask yourself this, when you define success, don't stop with this life. Don't just stop with this life. You gotta have a larger definition of success and don't just limit it to yourself. 
Don't limit yourself to only yourself. You see that in there? Now, the question is, what does success in life look like then? And today we're at the final I am statement of Jesus in the Gospel of John. There are seven of them, and we've seen them portrayed before us on this original artwork. More about that in just a moment. But the final question is addressed in the final I am statement of Jesus in John's Gospel. Why does it matter to you? What difference does it make? Well, let me ask you, if you've ever asked yourself any of these questions, if you've ever wondered, how can I live my best life? Truly my best life. How do you do that? How can I uh, get disentangled from the drag in my present and in my past that keeps want, wanting to pull me back or hold me down? How do you do that? How can I be freed up in my soul so as to maximize my greatest potentials, unleash my gifts into the world? How does that happen? How can I live a life that's larger than myself? How do I leave a legacy for those that I love, my family, my friends, of help and hope for others? You know, if you have ever asked even one of those questions in your journey to this point, they're worthy and reflective questions, but if you've asked even one of them, then this I am statement is for you. John 15, verse 1, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Verse 4, so remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit by yourself unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now, was that just a figure of speech, or was that a, you know, passing thought? Or did he, was it, is it real? Nothing? Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. I want you to succeed. How? We'll get to it. But I want, God wants you to bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Verse 16, bottom line, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to what? Bear fruit. Go bear fruit. And fruit that won't just shrivel and die. Fruit that will last. And then whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. What does that mean? Man, how do you get to that level? Here's the scenario. Jesus is in the upper room. He's with the closest disciples that were following with him. And he's making final preparations to leave this life. His time is almost up. And so he's sitting with the disciples, giving his followers what will be their secret to success when he is no longer with them in the way that he is. Secret to success in every circumstance. And its truth is relevant and ready for us to apply today in our circumstance. So I just want to jump in and I want to do a little Q&A with the Lord from John 15. Is that all right? Here's question number one. What's the secret to a fruitful and productive life? in this life and the next, so we can avoid that little you fool experience, right? What's the secret? Now, we're going to come back to this in a minute, but I just want to get it in our minds right away. Here's the answer. Learn to let Jesus' spirit life flow through your human life in every situation. So there's the point of the talk. 
Let Jesus' spirit life learn how to do this. Flow in your human life in every situation. That's Jesus' secret to success. That's what he's telling the guys. We'll get back to this in just a second. But Jesus defines success this way. Success is the fruit God bears uniquely through you, wherever you go, whatever you do. Now, if success God's way is your goal in life, this is absolutely critical to learn and to live. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So who wants to live a nothing life? Not me, not you. Question, how do you leave behind the destructive, non-productive deadwood then? That we just seem to keep dragging along or that keeps pulling us back, you know? What do you do about that? Like, that's a part of not succeeding, isn't it? That weight that pulls you down? Answer, let God help. How profound. Except so many people, you know, we just deny that. We don't go there. We miss this one. Jesus says it this way. Be open to God's cultivation and God's correction along the way. Verse 2, the father gardener, he like cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Why? He likes hurting branches? No. So that it will be even more fruitful. This is the father wants his people fruitful and succeeding and productive. So, so what? So he prunes and then he cultivates so that we can be free and disentangled from the stuff that gets in the way of productivity. God becomes your coach and your personal trainer. And he puts those muscle groups to work so that they can bear even greater fruit. This is what Jesus is talking about. And you say, but it, sometimes it's like, ah, I don't like this story. No, I don't either. But God allows it to come. Why? So that it will, the pressure will push us beyond ourselves. And then you got to trust him and then bring this to him. Like, what's going on here? I think that's the intention. His discipline and his correction in our lives. We resist those words. We resist those experiences. But this is the way God desires to increase our productivity. Sometimes he pinches off the deadheads. My mother-in-law has a beautiful garden. Sometimes we'll call her up and say, Becky, what have you been doing? Oh, I've just been deadheading my plants. Some of you gardeners know what that means. It just means you just pick them off so they grow even more beautiful. God does that too. It says that he uh, also makes major cuts sometimes. Sometimes it's just a deadhead. Sometimes it's a major cut. <laughs> Ow! Ow! A pruning but then when we start seeing the results, this is where Jesus is taking us. When you see the results, then you start understanding that the motivation isn't to harm, but to give you a future and a hope, like the prophet said, to increase fruitfulness in your life. And what that means to me is that God helps me set the reset button every day of every week. God is saying, you don't need that, you don't need that. Here, remember me, you need me. Stay connected to me. And how do we find energy and enthusiasm and power to keep on going? Man, life is hard. The battle <laughs> is long. The distance, the weight, we feel it, you know. How am I supposed to keep the energy level, the enthusiasm, the stamina to keep on keeping on? Because a lot of people drop out. 
A lot of people drift away. How am I supposed to find staying power through all the changes of life, the demands of discipleship in this life? That's our arena for development. Telling you sometimes we hold back in commitment to the Lord. I do this. You ever tempted to do this? I'm not going to go all the way, but I'll come part of the way because I'm not sure that I can make the distance. And so we hold ourselves back because we're afraid we're going to fail. Who wants to be a failure? Not me. Answer, good news. It's not up to you. That's the point. Jesus Christ is the vine. We're the branches. We don't make life. We take life and then let it flow through us. That's, so instead of being afraid of failing, here's what the Lord wants us to see, wants me to see. My inability is my on-ramp to God's availability to me in every circumstance. And the sooner I can understand how this works, that it's not up to me, but it's as I stay abiding in him, then his life flows through my life, that a branch just receives life and then lets it flow through me. Jesus Christ is the true vine. What does that mean? It means that he is the true to fact, genuine source of authentic spirit life. The real deal. And he's saying that I will be the sap in your tree. The Holy Spirit from me will flow through your unique personality and be fuel for God's kingdom come through you. Now, this matters because as image bearers of God, we each have an infinite need. It doesn't seem to ever go away. The infinite need in your soul can only be filled by an infinite God. And Jesus is promising, I am that vine and I will remain in you. And there's the secret. Christ in you. And this is all through, I mean, this is the amazing message of the gospel. Jesus Christ doesn't just forgive our sins and assure us of heaven. He says, I'm going to be there every step of the way in fullness of spirit here and now. And it's all through the New Testament letters. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you is your hope of glory. Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a work in you will complete it carry it on to completion. Philippians 2.13, he says, it is God who works in you both to will and then to do that which is according to his pleasure. Philippians 4.13, somebody knows this verse, I can do all things through Christ, not through Bill. <laughs> you know, I can do a few things, but not well. And Jesus says, I can do nothing, but if I'm plugged into him, then he's accessing portals to make his presence known into my world through me. Greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. This is what John said about it. In you, with Christ in you, through the Holy Spirit, God gets under the hood. And this is what that means. Christianity is more than behavior management. Through keeping external rules. Following Christ, knowing Christ, is transformation. It's experiencing transformation in your inner life that will then flow in your character. Imagine this. The character of the infinite one, I am, in whose image you have been made, now revealing himself through you. This is what Paul talks about in Ephesians 3. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work. Where? Within us. 
This is part of your Christmas gift in Christ. Okay, question. How do I get free from my addictions in life? The stuff that keeps on. I mean, I, I try and I try and I try. Well, God goes to the root. The father gardener goes to the root on this one. Like, what's the solution for narcissism and hubris and destructive macho and damaging ego? And here it is. You are not the vine. Christ is. You are not on the throne. Here's where the solution is. Christ is on the throne. So God's power is big enough than our egos, though they can be pretty big sometimes, but God is bigger in his loving character and in your life. He, as he increases, here's what John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. God is big enough to handle it. Now, what Paul writes about in another letter, the Galatians, is about two power sources for your life. 110, Galatians 110 and Galatians 2.20. In 110, he says this. Do I live to please men or for the applause of men? And he says, nah. Imagine yourself being plugged into the 110. You got 110s in your house, right? And then, but if you flip over to 220, you know what you get there? I am crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live. Yet not I but Christ lives in me, in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the body, but I'm living by faith in the Son of God who loves me, gave himself for me. That God's power in Christ is big enough to get at the root cause of our issue, which means that God helps me relieve myself of myself. Anybody need help doing that? What happens in his place? I become an extension and an expression of God's life in my unique life. You don't get swallowed up into the void like nirvana where you're a drop in the collective ocean of nothingness and you have no personhood. No, in Christianity, you bear the image of Almighty God in your unique person in a way that nobody else does. There's only one you. And when you yield your body as his temple of worship, he fills you with his presence so that he might express himself through your uniqueness. His victory becomes yours on your battlefields. So you're still uniquely you, but in your house, he's lights on and power up for what it takes to come. Okay, question. How do I leave a legacy then? Like... Live a life larger than merely me. Answer, your life becomes an expression and an extension of the life of God. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you're not God, but he is, and he wants to express himself through you. And that's at the heart. Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. My life is going to flow through your life, and you're going to bear fruit, and the whole world is going to be affected by it. Not because you guys are good or right. It's not your righteousness. It's God through you. So here's my take. You are graced. You are gifted. You are growing. And you are generating life out of your life. Not because of you, but because God's life is at work in you and connecting you to a story that is larger than you. Larger than yourself. Larger than your brief lifespan. Part of the life... Here's, you are part of the life of God in Christ. Imagine this, who said, I am the Alpha. So from the ancient of days, from the beginning of all, 
That life has now become a part of your life, and you're now a part of that life. And he says, and I am the omega. So he is going to carry you all the way through alphabet soup, all the way from soup to nuts, alpha to omega. I am the true vine, and my life will flow through you. Well, what kind of fruit? Answer. Jesus said three kinds, three dimensions. Upward, inward, and outward. God's life reaches upward with you, increasing the effectiveness of your prayers. Did you ever wonder how you could pray more effectively? Jesus said, this is it. Abide in me. Part of the fruit will be your prayers. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory. I'm not trying to make you out to be something. I'm just showing that you're bearing much fruit to my Father's glory. So the upward reach increases your success in prayer. And then God's life surges inward in you, increasing your joy. This is verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you. Were those disciples going to need that kind of staying power joy? And that your joy might be complete. So that inward surge increases joy in your life as the upward reach is increasing the effectiveness of your prayers and then God's life flows outward through you in a love greater than you. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you and now remain in my love. How do I do that? If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Wait a minute, what are his commands? My command is this, verse 12, love each other. As I have loved you, you know, I kept my Father's commands. I remain in his love. Now, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. And the command is this, love. And then look at this, verse 13, greater love. God's not satisfied with just any kind of love. He wants to take you as an image bearer, redeemed by his gift on the cross, filled by his spirit into the greatest love that can ever be known anywhere by anyone. A fruit-bearing, life-giving love that Christ was telling his disciples, this is your secret to success, guys. Greater love has no one than this, that you know how to get over yourself. You lay yourself down. You lay your life down for your friends. So the outward flow increases love in your life in every endeavor. Am I getting this right? You see where it's coming from? Prayer will lift you up, joy will keep you going, and love will take you through. So the fruit of God's Spirit shows up in you, your unique style and substance, and we've seen that evidenced through this original artwork that has been displayed throughout the series. And uh, I just invited Isis to see if she would let us into some of what she was thinking during that experience. So let's see, see what she says. Isis, may I just begin by saying thank you. Um, thank you from my heart to you for being willing to join us in this journey, trying to communicate some of the most powerful and profound things Jesus ever said. It was an answer to a prayer, you know, like for the longest time I was too afraid to say, you know, send me. I was afraid to say it because I was afraid that he might. And <laughs> <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Can you bring us into any of the inspiration that you were thinking when those images 
were transferred to Canvas? So, I was in the middle of, of a fast, actually, and I, um, I finally, over the summer, got really close to God. I got, I got the closest I've ever been to Him during the summer. And finally, I wasn't scared to say, send me. What can I do? I'm just an artist. What can I do? Then, you know, you called. And I was like, that was fast. <laughs> that was really fast. And who knew <laughs> that this field of opportunity would be before you so that now others could be inspired from the fight that you put through your brush on that canvas with faith. That's right. Any weapons, <laughs> the word and my brush. Amen. <laughs> so can you give us a little snapshot of your spiritual journey? Yeah, I just, I was in such a dark, dark place before um, I started coming here. One day I got really, really touched by the Holy Spirit and it was one of those days where you were you know, offering a baptism to people who were ready. And I just felt compelled and moved. And I said, me, <laughs> and you baptized me. And you know, it, it, of course, I was still not over. My journey had just begun then. And then slowly but surely, my life began to change as I gave my life to God. and. You know, and just things started falling off, chains started breaking, and, uh, and yeah, and we're here now. And you know, I feel like this summer was just the last bit of like pruning. I know it's not going to be the last bit forever, sure. but I just felt like it was like a pinnacle point in my spiritual journey was this summer. It was so yeah, I went from darkness to light. You know, during those 10 years of growing in Christ, with Christ's journey, I um, I prayed for a home, a job that um, could, you know, like a place that I could call home that is my job, that is an art position because I was um, teaching science for so long and I, you know, I, became an, the, an art teacher for Miami Shores Presbyterian Church School, which is a wonderful Christian school where I can talk about God in my art class, how God is an artist. And I just grew there with them. And I mean, it was just wonderful. I am so blessed to be able to, to work there. Abiding in Him at significant steps along the way leads to the expression of greater impact and making a difference that then can help others. And I know others have been inspired and helped because of your artwork. If you ask, I'll use you. You really, it's real. <laughs> it's real, it'll happen. Would you be willing to let them speak with you about Absolutely. their journey? And I'm available for anyone who wants to come and talk to me. Beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure.
Kendall Campus, you have already experienced ISIS in person and benefited from that. Today, I'm pleased to be able to say that ISIS was, is with us, and I'm so thankful, ISIS, for your journey with us in this and for sharing your giftedness so that we can taste and see how good the Lord is. Would you like, guys like to say thank you for ISIS sharing that? And then maybe if after you'd like to speak with her, she'll be down here after service. Uh, Frederick Beekner says this about vocation. That place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Imagine this. You're bearing fruit and God is feeding the hungry through you, through your giftedness, that he's meeting need. Now, it may not be a canvas may not be a paintbrush, but for you, it might be spreadsheets and numbers and code. It might be digital or books or tools that God gives himself to the world through you, translating God's life and then transforming your world through you in us. And just think about the places where God's life shows up with Christ as our vine branching out and then bearing fruit in our world. That's the point. God's life branches out and bears fruit through us as we remain in him. So I was just thinking about our church family and how this happens in the 305 every day all across our county. And I was thinking about people who are police officers, who are firefighters, who are bankers and lawyers and nurses and doctors and farmers and agriculturalists and educators and entrepreneurs and business leaders all across our county. Some work in child development, some in athletics, some in physical training and coaching, some in con uh, construction, some in medicine, the, the, the counselors, the mental health emotional professionals public service, even politics. <laughs> Did you know God can even work in politics? And people are saying, yes, some of us have been called to serve as mothers and fathers and preachers and missionaries and ministers and we celebrate what God is doing as he branches out and then bears fruit in a world that's really hungry to see and know God's love. Is God calling you? The answer is yes. What's he calling you to? In a word, abide. That's it. Your calling in life is to abide in the vine and then let him express himself branching out through your unique gifts and your abilities through him. But the call is, is simply this. He will bear fruit through you. Success is God's bearing fruit through you. So your connectivity allows God's productivity. That's the way I'm understanding the text. So what's Jesus' secret to success in life? Here it is. Abide in him. What does abide mean? It's related to abode. It means make your abode. What's an abode? It's your dwelling place. He's saying, find your place to live in me. Set up housekeeping in me. Let me set up housekeeping in you, and then life will come. It's like hanging out. Anybody know how to hang out? Here's my definition. How do you hang out? You show up and you settle in. That's kind of it. Oh, we're just hanging out. I showed up. I settled in. Hanging out. 
To abide means to stay connected, to, to make God's home your home. I have, um, I have UVerse TV at my house, and that means that from time to time, I will see this on my TV screen. Connection, searching for connection. I hate that. Okay, connection success. I love that. You know, connection makes me feel good. This is the point of Jesus' text. If you go through the John chapter 15, you will find and circle every time he says abide and you put connect in there. Stay connected to me. Stay connected to me. It's 11 times in 10 verses. This is about keep your connection open. Why? Because the connection is everything. Through it, you have access and you experience his fruit bearing. God's success will find you as you stay connected. But how? You do it by faith. What does that mean? It means enact your will to believe you belong and then behave in a way that shows it. Enact your will. That means you make a decision, and you make a decision based on your belief. What do you believe? You believe that you belong to Jesus. That's he's the vine, I'm the branch. We go together. I believe that I belong, and then I behave in the way that shows it. Does that make sense? How do I do that? Well, he says, pray, choose joy, and show love. That's the fruit of being connected. So you believe that you're a part of an epic story that God began writing years ago and bearing fruit through human history across time in a world that is constantly at war with him and one another. That's how I'm understanding this. It's dangerous. There are risks. But this is the best kind of danger because it calls out the hero that God made you to be, to bring the benefits of your fruitful living to add value to a world in need. And Jesus is saying, you know, I'm getting ready to leave, and I've modeled this. I stay in my Father, my Father stayed in me, and the way that you're going to succeed is the same way I've done it. Okay, question, what if I don't feel it? You wondering that? Aren't you supposed to feel God? Okay, wait a minute. You're hanging out with a friend. Let me ask you, do you feel your friend's presence the whole time you're hanging out? Probably not. And then you look around and you say, hey, Bill. And then you hear, what? You don't have to feel the presence to know their presence. But what if you want to? Well, in the abiding life, here's the answer. In the abiding life, feelings follow faith, just like in the English dictionary. Faith first then feelings will follow and become real. You trust Jesus, you trust his word, and then he makes it real. Question, how will I know I'm abiding in Christ? How do I know this is real for me? Well, he said, answer, you're remaining connected to Jesus through his word and through prayer. You're choosing joy and from, from within, and then you're staying in community with love. There's the fruit. Question, what about when it feels bad? Well, you trust that God loves you. You believe that you belong and behave in a way that shows it. You trust that God loves you. And if you're in a pruning time, you believe that the father gardener is pruning for an even greater harvest. Is that what Jesus said? Yes. Now, you may not be in harvest time yet. 
See, every day is not harvest. You're, maybe you're in pruning time, but harvest is coming. So what do you do if you're in pruning and it doesn't feel good? Well, here are two things I do. I ask the Lord, Lord, am I in a pruning season? You know, I just start the conversation. And if I am, could you show me what I'm supposed to learn and what I'm supposed to let go of? Because pruning means something's getting cut off, right? Something's getting cut away. So if, if I'm in a pruning then what am I supposed to learn and what am I supposed to let go of? Maybe it's a destructive habit or a non-productive waste of time that's been taking me off point. You know, I'm supposed, he says, you don't need that, not where we're going. Or maybe it's a past hurt. There's some kind of grudge or resentment or bitterness or doubt or unbelief. How many times have I heard the Lord said, just believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts, Bill. Something needs to be let go of here. So what do you do? Well, here's what I do. I say, okay. I mean, I don't really feel like doing it, but okay. <laughs> I'll give it to you. I'm going to let it go. I say it out loud. I let it go. And I'm trusting you. And then I choose joy and show love. Choose joy and show love, even when it's hard. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't feel it. Even when I don't understand it. This is what Jesus said. And one of the ways that we show love is by sharing and inviting, sharing our story and inviting others in on the journey. So you can ask God to open your eyes to see how you could help someone else reach their potential or go somewhere that they haven't gone before. And then other people get to experience it. Question, okay, what if I feel disconnected right now? Well, Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me. So this is a seeking time. You're seeking connection, searching for connection. And you want to hang in there until you get connection because that's where the joy is. Right? How do you seek him? You believe you belong to him, just like a branch to a vine. Believe you belong. And then you behave in a way that shows it. We all have slip-ups. We all stumble along the way. It feels like we lose signal. We lose connection from time to time. If you're there, don't stay down. Reach up. That's where you access that upward reach to pray. And then in, you choose joy to keep on going. And then you show love to the community of other believers. I need to ask somebody this because it's really serious. Are you settling for less? than God's definition of success. Because I sure wouldn't want you to show up one day and him say, you fool. What? How did this happen? Didn't you remember that time when Bill told that story and you had your opportunity to say, there's got to be more than this life. Why not let Christ show you the harvest that could come from your life, that is beyond this life, that lives on beyond this life to the next? Are you in pain? You in pain right now? Is some kind of pruning going on right now? Then it's important to be self-aware. Talk to God about that. By the way, there will be a test on this material, and I will not be giving it. It's out there waiting for you right now. This really matters. Because you're in this right now. 
So I'm really hoping that you will say, you know, there's one thing I'm supposed to be doing. Stay connected to God because the tests are everywhere. Like that first Christmas, oh my goodness, Mary and Joseph, it was a season of testing. It was a season of testing. They didn't have enough money. They were poor. They didn't have enough money. They had issues with the government. The government was trying to force them to go somewhere. Remember that? It says they had to go back to the town of their birth for a census that the government wanted them to take. So they got to go back to this town. Now Mary, speaking of birth, she's to the full extension of her pregnancy. She's full term, and now she's making a 90-mile journey on a donkey's back. Maybe five days on the road. It was a grueling trip. They finally get over that final hill, up, down, around, through, dark night, hot day, <laughs> get to the site. Oh, Five-star hotel waiting for them. Lush sheets, comfortable bed, little spa over here, midwifing service right there. All you got to do is ring the bell. Didn't happen like that, did it? It was a test. And they stayed connected. <laughs> and oh my goodness, who could have seen it? But God was at work. God was at work. And bringing about a harvest that would bring joy that we're still singing about, that we're, life that we're still accessing. He was fulfilling prophecy so that his life could flow through your life. But it won't happen unless you're connected. Would you pray with me? What's God saying to you? You're searching for connection right now in your life, your marriage your family, your job, your future. It's never been more important for you to stay connected than right now. To stay connected to Jesus. To stay connected to his church, his people in the world. And then to branch out together and bear fruit so the world can see that Jesus is Emmanuel. He's still with us through his people. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us today. I'm praying for sisters and brothers that right now are searching for a fresh connection with you. Help them set the re hit the reset button right now. Sister, is it time for you to say, I, I think I might be in a pruning. Okay, then ask God, what am I supposed to learn and what can I let go of? Chances are the Holy Spirit is telling you right now. Then you just say back to him, here it is, I let it go. Brother, have you been building bigger barns and thinking, oh, man, it's all up to me, and I don't know if I can hold out? Would you hear Jesus say, it's not up to you. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Stay connected to me, and I will bear fruit through you. Or maybe for you. You've been making some of the journey with us, but you've never experienced Christ as the sap in your tree. Would you invite him to come into your life right now? Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be and flow through me into my world. I receive you. Your death on the cross for my sins.
and your spirit coming alive in me right now. Thank you for hearing my prayer as I make it in your name.